Welcome, everyone, back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I am joined by Tracy Pearson. Tracy, how are you today, this day of days? <laughs> I'm actually pretty good, Dave. All in all, I feel quite fortunate, given what's happening out there in the world, as I think we all should. I'm, I've got a question, though. How's that beard? Still looking like that photo that you scared, that you showed everyone? Yes, yes. Still, well, no, it's a full, I don't know, weak, scarier, bushier. Um, you, you, know. do, you do look like, you look like a cartoon character. Because there's this scary beard, so you look kind of trollish. Then you've got these just sweet eyes that... So you look like a cartoon character that's like a sympathetic troll. Mm. Okay. I could buy that. Or like from the Hobbit series. Like you're one of the sympathetic... I, I don't know the Hobbit. Dwarves? Well enough, but I don't know. One of the guys, you know? Well, they're dwarves, right? Okay. Yeah. The dwarves are the ones who go with, uh, with Bilbo on his adventure. Bilbo Baggins. Yeah. Good you look Bilbo. like one of those guys. Because you, you don't Bilbo... look like a you don't look like a villain. Yeah. Even though it's scary. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I can buy that. That seems fair. Are, are your kids like? Do they come into the room and just shriek? No, of, I think they would be upset if I shaved. <laughs> you know? Do they hang? Do they hang on it and like swing back and forth? Uh, they both. I mean, not so much anymore because they're older. But when they were younger, they would grab it and it would hurt a lot. Um, and now they only do that intentionally when they're trying to hurt me. So I guess that's an improvement. Is it though? Is it? Is it really? <laughs> oh, Tracy, we have so much to talk about. If you can tell, I woke up from about a 24 minute nap this afternoon. About That's, that's indulgent of you. Well, man, I know, I know, I know. It was an unintentional nap. I am 75 years old. Wow. You're just kind of slacking around. Oh my 20, god, yeah. 24 minutes to nap during the day? I know. Huh. I know. Wow. I know. Okay. Um, yeah. Everyone out there is listening. Wow, what a soft life Dave Woods had. <laughs> soft life. Soft life. I just fell asleep just kind of sitting there. It was great. Sit by the pool sipping pina coladas? No, no. Just exhausted after a day of uh, okay. monitoring my delightful children. Really. While you work. Which yeah, is... while I work, which is... It's a great little Which double task. Feat. Oh, yeah, it's fun. It is. Yeah. All right, well, we've got a lot to talk about. we got a lot. We say that every week, no matter if we do or not. But let's we just keep doing that. We don't. We never will until there are actual sports. But we're going to lie to ourselves, and in the process, we're going to lie to you, the listener. Um, and I don't feel bad about it since we're lying to ourselves at the same time. Yeah, no, don't worry. I mean, we are. this is just lies and deceit. And uh, if we can't convince ourselves, we can't convince anyone. So it starts with us. It ends with you. Let's, that's the title this week, Brocast, Lies and Deceit. Yes. Starts with us, ends with you. All right, <laughs> but we do have actually a fair bit to discuss. Uh, yesterday, um, <laughs> you just went right back to the lie. Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I, no, I got to convince myself again. You broke kayfabe. All right. Um, yesterday, uh, the LA Public Health Commissioner, is that her name? That is part yes, of Barbara Ferrer. Sure. Uh, she said that some number, and then clarified eight um, UCLA at least eight at least, at least eight. eight. Sorry, at least eight 
uh, UCLA football players had uh, tested positive for COVID-19. Didn't clarify the date in her um, talk, but it came out later. Uh, thank you First off, you, you know what I loved about that was that how she just threw that away while she's not realizing it's a state secret. I know, I know. UCLA football players that, positive. Yeah, the cone of silence <laughs> has descended over UCLA and no information <laughs> will get in or out. Um, yeah. As if it matters. Like, you don't have to give the name. It doesn't violate any, any rule. Uh, it's just uh, we want to be secretive to be secretive. You um, know how college programs are. They they just immediately their knee jerk is to try to not to be secretive. That's, Do you remember that time Jim Mora threatened to build a wall basically between the new hotel and the field? <laughs> yeah, he probably yeah. defended himself overnight, like he painted the fence. Um, that that was pretty amazing. That was oh, yeah. cool. Um, yeah, so eight positives, or at least eight positives, um, UCLA football, but uh, I think you guys reported later that those were in, like, late June, early July, when all the guys reported back to campus, and then UCLA released later that day, um, clarifying that nobody is currently in uh, quarantine protocol. Um, so, I, And I, I can elaborate a little. I have, I have some um, information. It, it the a few of them were yes when they reported and I can now have this confirmed that there was an incident not long really after that where uh, a player that tested positive um, socialized with some other players um, and to what I've gathered all the ones who socialized did not contract uh, the coronavirus but they all were quarantined and that was like 14 to 15. So I think that was all part of when they were talking about everyone who was quarantined also. Um, So it wasn't just initially where everyone reported. It was a short time after that. One person, I think he might've actually gotten it uh, before and then reported, but then socializing with the rest of the team. Right. Some of the team then had a quarantine. Um, That's our biggest issue. Dave, and I wrote about it when we were talking about the demands of the players. And uh, so much, so many of those demands, I, I think, are 100% valid. Um, there's a, a lot of things to work out when it comes to revenue sharing and how players can get paid more. But, and I, I've, I'm kind of um, fixated on it a little, I guess, because we're going through it right now. But I understand the demands for, you know, safety and protocol when it comes to COVID-19, but they really have to hold up their end and not go to parties. Right? Um, If they're going to make demands, I'm I'm saying, I know what you're going to say is, hey, they're college students. That's what they do. No, that's part of it. But also the other part of it is, um, can I, can you and me not, um, request any changes on a uh, organizational level from, say, our state government if one of our peers makes a mistake. Because we can't we can't judge a class by a single individual. We can't judge a class by uh, several individuals. If the Pac-12 players collectively, and it doesn't even know, I, we don't even know how many people are actually signed on to this thing. 
But if they collectively ask for COVID-19 protections and largely collectively they're acting responsibly, and I would guess by the testing numbers as they are being reported by the schools, they are. Well, yeah, there's a few idiots in every group. Um, but are you judged by your idiots or are you judged? I mean, are you going to be treated fairly by organizations above you? No, I don't think um, one guy making a mistake should in any way jeopardize the overall protections that they're given top down. Um, they should have Absolutely. more protections. But maybe they should just to show their good faith and that they're willing to make those sacrifices and actually like um, be responsible on their end. If someone does violate it, uh, the team policy when it comes to social, uh, socializing, there's some kind of self-imposed penalty that the team imposes on. And we don't know. If what, there, stone there, them? There's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, sure. If you want Let self- me think about that. No, <laughs> I mean, if they want to self-discipline or whatever, I, I get that, but. Like um, while they're in quarantine, they have to run planks or something. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm the, the whole the whole like in uh, making this an individual problem rather than a collective issue. Um, that's the part where in and that's not just um, uh, exclusive to athletics, but that's part of this whole conversation about this virus that strikes me as actually, frankly, insane. Um, we've tried the individual stuff where. Okay, just wear your mask, and if you don't wear your mask, you should be shamed about it, and it doesn't work. You need collective top-down action, and that's at every level. Um, The Pac-12 needs collective top-down protections because these things are going to happen. It's an infectious disease. Um, You're going to have outbreaks even if you don't do something irresponsibly, even if you just have to go to the grocery store, even if you just have to go outside for a little bit. There's potential for things to happen. Bubble Um, up. Bubble up. Well, bubble up. And that comes with its own issues. And this is why I, well, if we want to get into that right now, that's why <laughs> I still don't think any of this stuff's going to happen because you can't really bubble up college athletes for a variety of reasons. Um, and uh, I don't think you can protect them responsibly. Um, Let, let's talk about our most, our most immediate. Sure. Whether UCLA football is going to get to fall camp all right let's lay it out for everyone because so the first day that they can have fall camp is august 17th i don't think either of us think it's opening on august 17th yes no they're already so when they went to the second phase which was 20 hours per player that started on august 3rd ucla has yet to be able to do that because of county the quote to me was county and campus clearance um so they have yet to get to that and basically, they're doing 14 hours. They're just not doing the six hours of walkthroughs. So they haven't even gotten to that. I, I would bet they will. But that makes you naturally assume that while the rest of the Pac-12 could start fall camp on August 17th, UCLA's fall camp will be a bit delayed. I would say by at least a few days, if, if not a week. Um, I still think they're going to get to fall camp where they're actually – having a fall camp in some kind of form on Spalding Field. You don't think they're even going to get to fall camp? No, I think they'll get to fall camp sometime okay. in March. <laughs> okay, this month. They're oh, not going to get no, no, to fall no. camp. Yeah, definitely not. Um, so I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's going to get closer and closer, and they're going to delay it and delay it, and then it'll be whatever, early September, and they're like, oh, yeah, sorry, we can't have a season. And they're uh, not going to get to it because they won't get county clearance, is what you're saying. That's what I think. Because I, I, So I was trying to kind of suss out exactly what 
this county watch list thing is and what the rules are for it and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, they could get a special clearance and I, I'm sure they're optimistic about it. I just, I have a hard time seeing it. Um, so basically you need to have a few different factors, but the one that LA in particular is violating badly right now is the hundred cases per hundred thousand population. You need to have fewer than a hundred cases per hundred thousand people. Right now, I think LA is at like 332 on their seven day or 14 day rolling average. Um, it's unrealistic to expect it to get um, where it needs to be very quickly. I mean, if we've seen anything throughout this whole pandemic period, the the climb can be rapid, but the descent from the peak of cases, and it seems like California probably peaked on this recent surge in the last week or so, but um, we, we don't know for sure because there have been some reporting issues, but um, the descent from that peak always takes some time. It takes a month or two, um, and just kind of plotting it against what New York did, what a few other places that have come down from the peak did, you're probably looking at at least a month and a half for this to come down to the level that you're going to need for L.A. County to be off of that state watch list. Um, I'm using that as my guidepost for whether the county and state are going to be um, aggressive about allowing more congregation on in, in these counties um, because they're going to want to get this thing knocked down. They're not allowing, you know, really schools to meet in person. Um, so I have a hard time seeing them decide that it's a good idea to have, uh, and maybe, I don't know if there'll be UC, UC regulations as well, but it's, it's hard for me to think that they're going to decide it's a good idea to have whoever's associated with the football program, 150 people, um, congregating on campus with full team practices. That just does not seem like it follows based on the logic. And, And sure, a lot of county and state governments have behaved irrationally throughout this process, but if you're following like the rational, um, what they're actually saying, and if they carry it forward, it just does not make sense for them to allow um, full football practices. Okay, so I completely agree with that, except this is uh, where I think the reality will lie. Um, We're talking about just simply uh, college football, specifically college football in California is going to get special clearance. I'm pretty confident about that because we've seen it already. When when the county laid down the rule that all state schools were going to be online, uh, yeah, suddenly um, the football team was still continuing with its with its practice. They've gotten a couple of exceptions exemptions like that. I completely anticipate they are going to get an exemption. Um, that the state and the county is going to allow them to start fall camp. I don't know how far they'll get because, like you and I have said, when you get all these men breathing on each other, um, that changes it. Uh, And that is, you know, it's a situation that could literally lead to a complete outbreak on the team. But I think they are going to get to fall camp um, because they'll get an exemption. They might not. They won't publicize the exemption like they haven't publicized. Like right now, David, is it as a state school? 
should these students be out running around on a field um, and lifting weights? And I mean, no, <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm, but they I'm, are. Yeah, I'm kind of shocked about the. Uh, and I don't know. Are, are they are they lifting the weights outside or are they still indoors? Well, that you know what's it's so funny. Whoever designed the Wasman Center is pretty brilliant because they got those big garage yeah. doors. Yeah. So I, from what I've kind of gathered, uh, they all have either they all have their own weight sets, or they're sharing it with just their own little pod. And they're all the garage doors are open, and there's a lot of air circulation, so it's practically outside. So you could call it outside. Right. Let's say that it's not it's not deep in a dungeon, like it would have been if it if the Washington Center hadn't been built. They would have been screwed. Yeah, I don't really. For me, I don't really hate the working out part of it. Um, this part doesn't feel like it's. Um, uh, discordant with policy and I think outdoor recreation as far as we know about most things it's pretty safe my issue is going to come when they start having if if they start to get into fall camp they're they're starting team meetings they're starting position group meetings they're starting full team activities where you've got many people on the field at once you're starting full contact um, you're starting all of these different things and schedule wise it'll be different like they won't have whatever, how many hours of the day they're using to just get through individuals. They're not going to have all that time. And so guys are going to have to get bunched up a little bit more. Um, so I just, right now, I think this is totally fine. Keep them in shape. That's great. I think outdoor activity is great for everyone. Um, you know, people should go hiking, do a lot of different stuff. Um, it's when you get beyond that into all of the stuff that goes into a season prep. Um, that... So you're saying practically they won't be able to pull it off as opposed to they I think won't there's a get few county different, clearance. Or well, I think they won't up. get. I won't. They won't get county clearance because of all of these practical reasons. Um, I think they won't get county clearance because it's going to involve congregating a lot more people than what they're talking about right now. I mean, I think. I think they got clearance to. Oh yeah, you can have eight guys working out. That's fine, um, but not, you know, <laughs> eighty-five. Um, so I, I, and that's just my my kind of assumption about the thing and maybe things, I mean, there's a few different things that I'm assuming here. I, I assume the decline from our peak caseload is not going to be super rapid, which is an assumption. Maybe it will. Um, but I would think without lockdown measures, it won't be that rapid. Um, and two that, uh, California won't just suddenly change its opening up requirements again. Um, if you remember back in May, LA really hadn't hit the threshold to open up and they were just like, okay, well we're opening up. Because this is this is boring, um, and they did, uh, but they really hadn't hit the initial design thresholds either. Um, so they might very well just change it again. But if if they continue on the course they're on, if they continue with the kind of stipulations they have, I just don't see any way they can be consistent and still allow again hundreds of people or 150 probably people um, to practice. It just does not seem like it's. Uh, in uh in agreement with what they've done so far yeah i think they're going to get an exemption they won't publicize it because they don't want um the attention but i i can't i think they're getting them all on top of each other actually playing football actually having meetings uh while okay. all of these while all of these guys are then free to go around and and go to a party. <laughs> how many? I, I how many? I 
I will say it lasts it lasts a week. And then they'll have to shut it down, but they still they'll just delay it again. They'll do what the other programs have done. Oh, we, we need to shut down most of the teams quarantine and we'll pick back up in ten days. Yeah. I think that's and they're gonna I think all programs will keep doing this and limp their way to that first game. <laughs> and it's gonna be it's going to be nuts. I mean, the SEC, they're playing, man, right? No. You don't I, think I don't think play. anybody's playing. I, I think, think, what the, the, I think the reality is going to be one of these conferences is going to cancel before the start of the season, and then liability is going to force the rest of them to. Uh, I, think, I think the SEC is playing, well, regardless I, of the co-liability, co I. I, well, I think you're 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 eventually. So if if Big Ten closes, right? If they decide, you know, what, we're done, and they say the reason we're doing so is because we can't guarantee the safety of our athletes, and then an SEC player gets sick during this aborted part of the season, um, and they sue the SEC. I mean, I think they're going to have a gross negligence claim. Um, Man, I just think about that environment. Just what would happen there. There, if we're talking about uh, demonstrations and protests we've seen in the South, there will be protests if they shut if they shut down SEC football. Yeah, right. But I, I, I think there's going. I mean, I know everyone thinks culturally. Oh yeah, the SEC is just going to play. Lawyers run everything. They're going to want to diminish their liability. They're not going to want to open themselves up to the potential for getting sued and losing a bunch of money. Um, Don't politicians run a lot of things, though, also? And almost and, all of them are lawyers. They're all yeah, lawyers. Yeah, but they're also, do, they're also do whatever their constituencies kind of generally want them to do. Yeah, I'd like, be, I'd be, I would be shocked if... If one of the major conferences closes and they don't all follow suit pretty quickly, it'll be. It's going to be interesting. It's going to. I mean, what? We're. This is all going to happen within the next month. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of things to happen. Um, and I, I would be, I'd be pretty surprised if we have a football season. Um, and I, I'm sure everybody saw. I don't know how significant it is, but UConn. They canceled their season. Uh, they're an independent, but it is an FBS school that. Um, Fringe though it might be, uh, FBS that canceled that season. Um, so we'll see if that's the first of many. Yes. Um, but let's say it is canceled. Then do you think they postpone it and, and regroup for spring? I think they'll try. I think that, I think all the planning that they've done isn't for naught. I think a 10-game conference schedule that you just translate to, you know, hopefully you could start it as early as January, but um, a 10-game schedule that you just translate a little bit later still works. Um, you wouldn't be able to, I think, schedule a bunch of non-conference. So I think all the planning they put into designing which what I think is a pretty clever schedule system would work at any point during this pandemic. Like, I think that makes sense. Okay, um, so let's say in some way, maybe they get some games done – in fall, finish the season in spring, play the whole season in spring, but it's this 10-game season. Uh, you said four and six. I actually said three and seven. Our consensus was 
four and six from all the bro contributors. Yeah. Uh, everyone, everyone wants your opinion, Dave. Is Chip Kelly still the UCLA coach? Yeah, they they don't have any money to fire him, um, and I don't think it. I don't think anybody's going to be in the mood to come up with the money to fire him. Um, Someone asked me, and I said it, there are just too many factors it, it, to to consider. It would have to be donor uh, donor motivated administrations done, and the maybe the biggest factor is that Chip's frustration level himself. There yeah. would have to be so many factors that you just can't. And you know, there's a new athletic director, and we kind of don't even know what he would be feeling. Does does you know some athletic directors come in and they they're just not going to they don't want to make it seem like they're pulling a quick trigger as soon as they get there. Some others do because they want to get their guy in. We really don't know which way Martin Jarman is going to go with this. So too many factors, yeah, to to consider. But we know this if. If they, I can say this, if they don't at least get to six wins, it, it's going to be an, it's going to be subject matter that the UCLA community considers. Even I think at five and five, definitely at four and six, it would be on, it would be, con, it wouldn't be something like that's completely off the table. No, it wouldn't be like that year that they were flying banners for Alford and they weren't even considering it. Um, and we knew they weren't considering it. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is – and it makes sense because there isn't – there hasn't been any hope. Like there's been no moment where you've said, oh, okay, maybe – I mean, outside of that final stretch at the end of the first year, it's been, I mean, pretty bad and pretty bad throughout and it doesn't show much signs of getting a whole lot better. Um, so this season – I mean, I'm. I don't think there's much shot at six wins. I think the schedule um, that was laid out for what would have been a full twelve game season, maybe there was a shot at seven wins, because you would have added a New Mexico State win as well as a Hawaii win at minimum. Maybe, maybe you get a San Diego State win as well. Uh, but as it stands, um, no. And adding Washington to the group just adds another loss. Um, there's it, yeah. It's just there's a few different ways the schedule can go, but I have a hard time seeing anything. I think five and five is the hard limit on what this year can be, given everything we've seen from Chip Kelly. Maybe he pulls a rabbit out of a hat and he's got something brewing for um, how uh, how to kind of change his offense a little bit to fit, um, you know, the personnel that's not as tight tight end heavy. Maybe he goes back to, dare I say it, a little bit more tempo. Um, but defensively, I, I just, I mean, we've seen what three practices, four practices in the spring of them just trying to kind of install these new variations on the scheme. And then, uh, they're going to have however many practices they get in this fall to get ready with what is, you know, at least in part a new scheme. Um, and it, the, the personnel hasn't been good. They have to replace every linebacker, the secondary more or less universally regressed last year. Um, I just, there's a lot of reasons to think this year could actually be very, very bad. Like it could be one of the worst years. And it's, it's shocking to say that because this was the one where we were saying, Oh, they'll have juniors. Finally, they'll be kind of aged up. This is the year. One of the two years that they're building towards because Um, we were talking about the week schedule. 
also talking about the, the, yeah, the week schedule is yeah. a factor, but also when we were talking about it in 2018, we're saying, okay, this is the chip plan. They're going yeah. to build up over the next couple of years, and then it's going to be in full form come 2020 or nearly. And it's I, I don't see any sign of that coming. It's uh, really simple to me. The defense is going to have to perform way beyond reasonable expectation. Reasonable meaning what you would look at who's returning and the history of the last two years on what you could reasonably expect. It's uh, Brian Norwood is going to have to the new scheme or the new tweak. It's not even a new scheme. It's just kind of a new layer on top of the old scheme would have to completely re- revolutionize the defense, in my opinion. Get it to, seriously, a, a top 50 defense in the country for them to get to six wins. Uh, I think the offense, uh, the offense will be the offense. They'll find, they'll find their, they'll put together enough guys that can replace the production of, of Josh Kelly. Maybe not as much, but maybe they do. Um, you know, to be DTR, a top, but like the thing is, the offense was a top fifty offense. It's not like right. it's a top twenty offense. It's right. I don't even. But think that's it's what I'm good. saying. A top average. fifty, top fifty offense, top fifty defense. They're six and four, right? But that uh, the defense was what 109th in the country. Yeah, <laughs> it's and, going and, to have to make a huge jump that goes beyond what. You know, a fan could say it's going to happen, but just a logical human being, and even if you are a fan, you'd have to look at all of these factors, the new players, the entire, all the new linebackers, every single new starter, a new tweak to the scheme, and what we've seen for two years. We'd have to be watching the, the defense and go, wow, th- I did not see this coming. I don't, didn't expect this at all. That's what you'd have to say. Yeah, I think what uh, – yeah, if we're looking at it from like a pure macro perspective, I think the defense will be maybe a few ticks better. Uh, but that means it's going from 100th to 90th or whatever. Well, okay, um, what are you basing that on? <laughs> I, well, I think I think if you have a, a – look, I, I'm, I'm considering Norwood a de facto coordinator. Um, okay. And so if you've got a new coordinator who has some proven success, I'll just say uh, – coaching better will will take this up a little bit maybe it's a big reach um but the thing is i think the offense is going to tick lower without joshua kelly without devin asiasi look mike martinez uh, i don't know if anyone else is watching him and saying oh yeah that guy can replace devin asiasi's production from this year but um i'd be shocked if anybody thought that uh he had some drops and he didn't have that many targets. Um, he looked a little slow footed. Um, and I just don't know if there's maybe in the long run, he becomes a really good tight end. I just don't know if there's a reason to think he's going to be Aussie Aussie or Caleb Wilson this year. And without that, uh, you're asking, okay, Chase Coda, Kyle Phillips, uh, some other guy, uh, can you step up and, you know, take in 50 catches, 60 catches. Um, and it's just, okay, fine. You figured that one out, but then who plays running back? Um, are we talking Britton Brown? Because I don't know if anyone's taking a look at Britton Brown, but he was a competent running back at Duke who also got injured a lot and never Josh Kelly, never close. And that's not his level of production. Um, this offense took Josh Kelly to be average. Um, and Joshua Kelly was for my money, the best or second best running back in the Pac-12 the last couple of years. Um, I, I, 
I have a hard time seeing them replacing those two guys alone and suddenly having a better offense. Um, and then that's not even counting the offensive line. We still don't really know what that starting five is going to look like. You've lost Boss Tagaloa, and then you lost Chris Murray, who I think each of them regressed a little bit last year, but that's still two starters who are gone. You're going to put Alec Anderson likely at guard. He's not, I would say, a natural guard. He's more of a tackle, but he might have to start at guard. Um, You're taking Duke Clemens, who was sitting out for part of spring, and he's going to probably have to start at center. Um, And then you don't really know what that other guard spot. John Gaines? Antonio Maffi? Who knows? Um, so those factors, and then you've got Dorian Thompson Robinson who will be in his third year, essentially as a starter who was, uh, I would say below average last year. Um, he led the country in personal turnovers. He had obviously some games where he was electric and incredible. And then he had some games where he was borderline unplayable, um, and single-handedly lost them games, uh, with his turnovers uh if if he's anything like that again um combined with all these other issues offensively you could see the offense take yet another step back it took a step back last year and it could take yet another one this year and if in that scenario where you've got like a top 90ish top 80ish defense and a top 70ish offense well that team goes 2 and 8 3 and 7 and i think that's significantly more likely than top 50 on both ends so we're completely in agreement. I went macro, you went micro when we when but basically we're in agreement that something is going to have to go beyond our expectation. Yeah. And our natural progression even of DTR being a little bit better. Maybe the offensive line being a little bit better. The defensive line being a little bit better. Tight end maybe drop off. Linebackers drop off. Let's just stretch and say the the defensive backs, the secondary are a little bit better. Just doing that, one of these elements is going to have to be like the defense. Something's going to have to be dramatically better than what we could reasonably project. Yeah. And that's where we are. You know what? While we're talking about this and you're, I mean, Dave, you're, you're being a little, I mean, pessimistic and depressing. We, we, we could talk about you silly recruiting. In which sport, Tracy? I just want do you want to, to talk about the sport I'm a homer about, or do you want to talk about the sport we're already talking about? I want to get in and get out. We've got we've got well, that'll be easy because unusual... we don't have that many people to talk about. Exactly, one of the most unusual situations, and I know it's pandemic inspired, absolutely. But UCLA feels it doesn't need that many more players. Maybe let's say six to eight, but it, you know. It's maybe, maybe has a handful left, maybe seven uh, guys who are offered who haven't committed elsewhere that it has still a chance to get. Um, With no offers really coming, you know, no offers in sight. Really an unusual thing. And I I mean, the, the best thing for you to compare is Stanford is notoriously a low offering program um i can safely say i have probably good sources that says uh they're recruiting not only do they not offer a lot of guys they're kind of slow to the uptake too when it comes to just recruiting people getting on guys 
actively, you know, consistently being there and recruiting aggressively. I mean, they're very comparable to UCLA, and you could even say worse. Um, they they still have twelve offers out to twenty twenty one that of guys they could reasonably get that aren't committed elsewhere. This is a this is just flat out strange. And I, I know UCLA's theory is that we've we have twelve commitments. We only need you know we're thinking we need eighteen to twenty. We've kind of run through our list of the board of the guys we think can play for us. We need to see guys more guys if we're going to offer more guys. I I I kind of get that, but that still doesn't really take away from the strange situation that we're in. Very odd, Tracy, that you'd be so critical. I mean, they've got the seventh best class in the Pac-12 right now, 48th class nationally. They're recruiting way above their performance level on the field. And and everyone else is <laughs> – I just moved right on from your sarcasm. Um, everyone else is saying, why, on the board? Why, why? And it's so funny because everyone asks that question <laughs> – you know, regularly. And what is it about UCLA recruiting? And I don't want to pile on because there's a lot of people out there. That oh, say, I'll do it. Well, wait, let me just say this. One person said something and another one responded and said, and th- th- what the person wrote was had no, there was no Chip Kelly hatred in the post. And I don't even want to call out the guy who called him out, but he said, why do you hate Chip so much when it was just straight, straight fact. And I don't want people saying, Tracy, why do you hate Chip Kelly so much? Which I don't. But this is Chip Kelly's recruiting formula. This is all This is all him. The slow process, the protracted process and getting offers out, the really highly thorough evaluations, the, the waiting to offer. I mean, the most recent one was, was Miles Williams, the defensive end from Mission Hills Bishop Alamany. A kid who had had been to UCLA's camp early on before everyone offered, you would say UCLA is at the top of his list probably um, among programs that hadn't offered. A bunch jumped on, offered him. Cal, I think, only offered maybe a month and a half ago. Um, UCLA doesn't offer. There was some talk that there was academics involved, but if there were any academic issues, they were cleared up by spring semester which for Bishop Alamany, I think, was May or June. Um, so then he he commits to Cal. UCLA then offers him a couple of days later, and they did that with uh, a, a couple other guys in this class, Beavers, the, the defensive back. I, I, I want to talk about that, Dave. <laughs> Not offering a guy, he commits someplace else, and then you offer him, it's... It it does. It's it's really arrogant that wait we're offering you now. Does that change anything? Well, it makes me think. So if I was being uncharitable, or let me just say one more thing. Just it, it's it's either arrogance or literally do not know what else is going on in his recruitment that or don't really care at all that he committed someplace. Can else. I provide you a third option? Yes. Okay. If I was being uncharitable, and you know me, I'm always very charitable. In my assessments of things, I always try to look on the best. But but in this scenario, if I were being uncharitable, if I were throwing my brain into the brain of somebody who is 
who is predisposed to think negatively about things. Obviously and, not and me. And you never do it, and you were just dabbling in this this I, one time. I, 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 I'm not experienced in this field, but I will dip a toe at this moment. Perhaps they are this fully... Feels, this feels so strange for me that you're doing this. I feel disoriented. Perhaps they saw on Twitter that he had committed to Cal, right? They had not done any of this work that they claim to do on whether a guy has the grades or not, or whether he's a fit or not. But they saw that their peer school at Cal had taken a commitment from him, and they said, okay, we can offer him now. What if, Tracy, it was laziness? I'm going to say it wasn't. I'm going to say it wasn't. From what I know, it was the whole process of what they had to go through to get him through his evaluation, his academic, his care. And when it finally came up that they were ready to offer him, it literally was right around the time that he committed to Cal. So what you're saying – so so you said, what, seven guys they still have a chance to get? Maybe. Okay. And they have 12 commits, right? Yeah. If your process, if your evaluation process – again, I'm, I'm just talking in this, in this brain of this negative person, not me, just somebody else – he does not have a big, long, scary No, beard. no, 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 no. This guy's a real, like, clean-shaven, just huge, huge jerk. He is an uh, up-with-people guy. He no, is no, positive. No, yeah. oh, I'm sorry. He's a jerk. Yeah, he's yeah. a jerk. Uh, yeah. If your process of evaluation comes up with 19 guys that you, like, think are, you know, good, who, who, who maybe will come to your school, your process sucks. Like your process. This is, is not. Bad. This is not you talking, though, right? No, no, no. This is me talking. You know, again, just trying to put myself in that in the shoes. Uh, your process is really bad, um, and you should reevaluate that. I know we've, again, we've we've shared that sentiment on this show before, but uh, that's that's a bad process. That's that's the problem there. Not not like guys not liking your school, but you're you're filtering or doing something poorly in your process like don't trust the process because your process is bad okay i'm glad that you were able to channel this person because it it just does not sound like you at all i know i know but i i I was able to in that moment okay yeah it i mean that that um guy you just person you who possessed you i mean makes a valid a valid point i thought so yeah uh it's just a strange disorienting time in so many ways. But, I mean, this I, this is Chip Kelly's program. He oversees it all. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying that uh, he's made a ton of mistakes. I think a lot of what, his, of what he wanted, his vision of what he could get done at UCLA was probably a, a decent enough vision that could have pulled off but it all comes back to just seven and 17 if he had just won even just a seven wins last season this recruiting yeah we'd still be critical but they'd probably be doing better because they'd have more to sell it just all comes down to coach kelly you needed to win more games in your first two years right um. Yeah. I mean, if I'm trying won, to be optimistic here, Dave. Well, 
I I don't think that fixes all of the issues, but if it he does was, not fix it. it. It it masks many of them. I don't even know if it would. I mean, the thing is, it's hard to even get into that headspace where they suddenly were like, I don't know. I mean, what what are you talking that would have masked it? Like going thirteen and eleven over that stretch instead. I I'm even just saying minimum that. Even if they had gone three and nine, if they had gotten to seven wins last year, just okay. that there there was something for them to say, look, yeah, we we raised the whole thing to the ground. Now we got that we went three and nine. We went from three and nine to seven and five. Look at that turnaround. We're on our way up. Here we go. And they could sell recruits on that and sell fans and no, everything. No, 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 that's all they would need. I don't think so. It's easy. So I know we say this a lot. It's easy to recruit at UCLA. It's really easy to recruit at UCLA when you're a new staff because um, you get to sell the whole hope and dreams and all that crap. It's easier to sell that year than it is uh, when you win seven games in your second year. Like, it just is. Um, the fact that they weren't able to do that, that first class was such a – well, the first class that they recruited with, like, two months was fine. The second class was bad. Um, and that was the class that they were starting to recruit, and it was going slow that first spring. If you remember, we started to say, you know, we were ringing the alarm going into June and saying, I remember on this very show, we said, at the end of June, if they still haven't really picked this up, we're going to start saying they're they're doing some stuff wrong. We um, warned them, Dave. We warned them. But I guess what I'm saying is um, I don't think wins would have fixed this. I think they've got a bad process, and I don't think the process suddenly gets fixed because you win. Uh, it should be easy to recruit at UCLA. They're making it hard. Um, I've seen plenty of staffs that had flawed processes that recruited well. Uh, so many. Yeah, this so is fatally many. flawed. It's a fatally flawed process. I've seen staffs that were the vast majority were just horrible recruiters. And – you know, they still recruited fine. It's did they require the head coach to approve every single offer um, and also base it off of an insane evaluation process that takes weeks, if not months? You know, we should get into it one time. And some of the things that I've witnessed, not necessarily from the head coach, but from the various staffs of how bad they could be. <laughs> so I I. I completely get what you're saying. I, I just I still think winning fixes it all, and that if I, and I can even take it down to another thing. If he had if he had had a better defensive coordinator the last two years, and the defense was better, and the offense was what it was, so the defensive coordinator choice was his friend that had not been a defensive coordinator since when. I don't know, Duke at 2001, something like that? Yeah. You know, it's it's so much of it is about the coordinators. When you're talking about coaching in college, you just can't spend that much time with them compared to the pros. You, you just aren't going to be there as much. There's just way too many limitations. It's all of, so much about the success of a – yeah, there's player development, of course, but so much about the success of a team – is the are the coordinators and you just have to be able to recognize that and that that was not recognized um anyway we we've gone off on a little bit of a tangent 
No, we just we just unfortunately talked about UCLA football too much. Okay, let's well, talk that's, instead. That's a, tan- that's a tangent. It <laughs> is a tangent on this show because this is the UCLA basketball Homer podcast. It's, that's what we do here. Yeah, that's what we're going to rename it. The yes. Homer cat, the Brower. Yeah. So the UCLA we'll work, basketball we'll team, the UCLA yeah. basketball team, got yes. Chris Smith back. Got Chris Smith back. Isn't that exciting? It really is. You and I. We're very excited about writing those two stories. <laughs> I've never I, – I haven't been as excited to write anything in the last few months as I was to write that story because it was about basketball and not football. I could hear the joy in your in your prose. Yeah, it was, it was, it was actually good to reflect on uh, that enjoyable sports experience back before the world exploded. Um, I, I mean let's talk about – let's talk a little bit about this basketball team. And let's use that same criteria, reasonable expectation. Let's reasonable. just start let's start here. Okay, let's that, I don't even want so here's here's how much I'm a basketball homer. I don't want to talk about the pandemic at all in this subject. Okay. I not, only want to talk about this as if there's a full regular season. Okay. Which is so just strange for you because most of the time whenever we're having a conversation even off of bro I'll start saying, Well this you know, what are you talking about? They're not right. even gonna have a season. Yeah, no. So no. you're gonna throw all your no. They're gonna have a full disbelief. thirty game season. It's gonna be great. And then this play is their Dave's suspended disbelief. Woods, I'm, I like I, it. I don't. Even, I, I don't even know what you're talking about because, of course, why wouldn't they have a season? <laughs> uh, so okay, so this is a team that gets its, you know, with Dacian Nix not coming to school, this was obviously critical to get Smith back. I think if Dacian Nix had come in, you moved some things around, I think you could have made it work without Chris Smith. I don't think this suddenly becomes a top 15 without him at this point. But with him, you slot him in at the four so you don't have to do something uncomfortable, which would have been Cody Riley and Jalen Hill playing alongside each other. Or, or Jaime Yaquez. Uh, go into the four. Something, something uncomfortable would have had to happen. Now you return your 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 you know your big your big forward essentially. I mean he's basically just another small forward playing the four, but it's fine. Um, and that's what everyone does anyway. Yeah, so. everybody does it anyway. Um, your face up four, as we say. Your big wing. Your big wing. Your big guard, as uh, as Steve Alford called it. Yeah. Um, but you do all that, and um, you return everybody more or less. From a team that at the end of the year last year was playing like a top 15 team. Um, that I was looking at an analytics system recently where it had, you know, basically you could look at it from just the beginning of February and it was top 20 team. Um, you take all that and you add a year of experience, you add a full season of these guys having now bought into Mick Cronin and that whole deal. Reasonable expectation? I mean, Top 15 team at the end of the year, Sweet 16, expectations, win the Pac-12. Like, I, I think, think last that's year, the, the baseline. As you've said, the baseline last year, at the end of last year, they are playing like a top 25 team. Yeah. they were. What other teams in the nation return all five starters from a top 25 team? I don't know. Nobody. I'm literally asking the question. Yeah. I, I would think nobody. Right. And then you add, uh, you add some guys. I mean, you're adding Johnny Juzang. You yeah. know, I, I mean, that's a guy who's going to seriously compete for a starting spot. Um, from what I've heard, he's a kid who puts in he can, he's putting in a lot of hard work in the offseason. He's you know, he played one year when he should have been a senior in high school and he he played a senior in high school at Kentucky. Um, I mean, that's not an easy environment to go in 
to play. Um, he's going to be competitive. All of these guys will be better. Just well, Jalen Hill just being – just think about this. The team that you saw toward the end of last season, Tiger Campbell is a little bit better. He shoots a little bit better from three. Um, Jalen Hill is better. He's more consistent. Chris Smith goes from – I mean, Chris Smith was an all-Pac-12 – he averaged 13 points a game. He's going to be in a, it for Pac-12 player of the year this year. He should average 18, I, I would think, 16 conservatively to 18 points. Jaime Yaquez, how good should that kid be? He was a true freshman who was just feeling it all out as he was going along, and he was so good and had so much presence and composure. They had to get him in the starting lineup within the first several games. Cody Riley, let's talk about Cody Was Riley. maybe the MVP over the final like three weeks of the season. After the beginning of the season, where we just said, "I don't know if he," I don't know if he can ever play here. <laughs> yeah, and he he, wow! I mean, there were a couple of games that overtime game. Oh my lord! Yeah, no, uh, unstoppable. Jake Kaiman. Yeah, who Jake we were Kiman, another guy who only, who at the beginning of the year we were like, oh man, maybe five minutes a game. You bring him in and he just shoots and you see if he's you know going to play any defense. And then he became like not a. Good defensive player, but opportunistic and fine by the end of the year. Let's, when it comes to all true freshmen, there are very few true, very few true freshmen who are good defenders. Lorenzo yeah. Mata was just butt as a freshman. Yeah, he was he was bad by his senior year. One of the best post defenders in twenty years. He was phenomenal post defender. You're bad as a freshman. Defender Jake Kyman got decent by the end of last year. Yeah, um, I'm thinking Jules Bernard is going to be much improved, and he's uh, the one who took on that kind of mentality, at least, of the defensive stopper at different points last year. Um, I just so and just so Jalen Clark, Jalen Clark, Jalen Clark, a guy in. who we don't even. We're not even figuring into this because he's there's guy too much who, to figure in. But he's already, you know, he's a fit coming in because yeah. it's a guy that Cronin identified and wanted. Um, but you look at all that and you say, okay, that's a team that should be, um, I would think, uh, better than what they showed at the end of last year. Now, obviously, there's going to be some weird nuance to that and things that change. But, I mean, I think about uh, going back to the Juzang thing, I mean, again – this is David Singleton report online. We've acknowledged that. Uh, we love David Singleton. He's he's great. Um, but Juzang comes in, potentially takes that job, and then you've got Singleton in maybe his his best role on a very good team would be more like sixth man, seventh man, coming in, spelling at the point, spelling at the two, um, and providing that glue off the bench. Um that improves the team, I think, a little bit. You know, you you get a guy in there who can shoot it at a at a higher volume and probably a better clip. Um, yeah, I think yeah. I think potential. So I think top fifteen is what I would peg it as, and I think if things gel right, I mean, that's a team that could they could do the Howland thing, like they could just okay, suddenly we're a Final Four team. Yeah. I think I think uh, the one of the biggest. Well, I, I actually think the biggest key, and there are a lot of things. If 
last year, even when they were bad, <laughs> I remember tweeting out a few times because they actually played some decent defense for longer periods than we had ever seen during a UCLA basketball game in a long time. I said to myself, or and I tweeted out, if this team could just shoot decently, they'd be pretty good. And I remember Jake Kyman. Jake Kynan's mom like liked that tweet. <laughs> yeah. Before he had like shown that he was going to come off the bench and and hit you know eleven threes, and they just shoot better. Their team shoot uh, three point shooting was like thirty two percent last year. Like I think you even wrote at one point they get that up to just a team wide thirty five, which would put them, you know, still fiftieth to sixtieth in the country. They just get it there because the dynamic changes. Yeah. If, if defenses have to come out now to watch, to you know, get on Tiger Campbell, Johnny Juzang, just they, they, they got to go out to to put pressure on Chris Smith, or he's going to just sit out there and hit forty percent. It changes everything offensively for them. Yeah, um, and I yeah. think it's reasonable to expect. Um, I think it's reasonable to expect Smith and uh, Jaquez to both be uh, pretty significantly better three-point shooters next year. Um, Smith, I'm basing it largely off of his excellent shooting from the free throw line and from uh, mid-range. Um, I just think he's going to tick it up a little bit more. He's at 34% now. He's gone up every single year at UCLA. There's no real reason to think he can't get to three-plus shots a game at like 37 38%. Um, Hawkes, I think it's just kind of the freshman thing. You know, you come in, yeah. you're, you're having to take some shots that you don't feel comfortable taking. He'll be more comfortable. Um, and he's a good free throw shooter. He's a good overall shooter. He was 31% last year. I think you can expect that to be at least 34 ish. And if you just do that, those are two of your bigger volume guys who are going to start. Um, that alone will s- kind of soften things up a little bit. And then Tiger Campbell, that was just bad. He shot 26% from three last year, so he needs to do one of two things. He needs to either shoot a lot better or shoot a little bit less because he took 2.9 threes a game, um, which is only less than Kaiman and Singleton. And there is some reality to uh, Cronin's offense, but offenses generally, that the point guard, they have to take some amount of threes to keep a defense honest. Um, he just needs to shoot better. Um, and at the beginning of last year, he was like, if you remember at the very beginning of the year, he was shooting better. And then he went in, into essentially a horrific shooting slump. Um, but he, needs- I was told, I was told this, this will bring some clarity. Mick Cronin would not have allowed Tiger Campbell to shoot that many threes unless he was very confident that Tiger Campbell was a good, there was a good three point shooter in there somewhere. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. it, it doesn't look like his form is broken or anything. Like, it's just, yeah. uh, he was missing a lot. Um, and I think it was, uh, it probably got in his head after a little while. Um, but And then the rest of the whole team. I mean, when you're first starting that season and, <laughs> and you got Mick Cronin on the sideline, they all look rattled. Should I take the shot? Should I not? What should I? Ah! I mean, David Singleton's shooting percentage, I think, went down. And I think maybe Jules Bernard. I mean, they were rattled on shot selection. That yeah. won't happen this year. Yeah, and he doesn't need to be, like, a 38% shooter. I think if he even just gets up to, like, 31 or 32, that'll be enough to keep defenses honest. Um, But you just look at that. Like, incremental improvement from everybody. Nobody needs to become, like, just a lights-out, you know, crazy shooter. 
but just enough um, that they can count on hitting a reasonable number of threes per game. Uh, that'll go a long way towards making the offense a little bit easier to watch, especially uh, when it gets a little bit rough going uh, at times. Um, but also just, you know, it, it'll put a little bit less pressure on their defense, um, which and, should be and, a lot better as well. And, that, and as we've said, Johnny Juzang is a shooter. That's what he's known to do. He's going to play at least 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so overall, Dave, so what we did was apply to the football team the season and the basketball season and team reasonable expectation, right? Are we biased towards basketball right now, or is this pretty much objective, reasonable expectation? Uh, we are biased towards the basketball team right now, <laughs> and and it's of course a reasonable expectation. Yeah, yeah. This is a uh, basketball homer podcast. I'm sorry. If anybody wants something different, they're gonna have to find a different show. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just overall, they were all so young on that basketball team last year, and you could see it, and they're just getting – there are so many things I could just keep piling on on reasonable improvement. First time with a first-year head coach, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So many things. I mean, I've been told that they had had like, you know, page five of of Cronin's basketball guidebook, and that's about as far as they went. And, you know, it's it's a pretty big novel. So there's so much upside here. So I think we're being fair. I think we're being fair. Of okay. course we are. Because UCLA is going to win a national championship this year. <laughs> uh, in May madness. In March madness, because there okay. will be no pandemic, sir. It's going to go away. It's just going to disappear one day. At this the whole of thing is... This whole thing, so you 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 put yourself you in the body of that like complete pessimist. Now coming out of his body, you've been possessed by Dave Woods, the Homer. Pure optimism. That's me. Yes. You know yeah. me. Yeah. Um, do you okay. think we should have people like do a GoFundMe page for people for charity? Uh, to give money for you to shave your beard off. <sighs> How much would it take of, of charity, uh, of some kind of charitable donations for you to do it? I mean, like a buck, buck fifty. I was gonna, I was gonna say you're a pretty nice guy. You'd do it for like twenty five bucks, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not a. I'm not, not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. You get your face out there a lot, you know. And it's kind of, it's one of those experiences where you go, oh, and you go, oh, but look, he's. Oh. <laughs> I don't want to know what's under there anymore. Oh, you're afraid, eh? Who knows what's under there? Could be a lot of like weird skin things. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. You know when I first um like shaved my head down to like just a I was I was a little bit concerned before I did it. I'm like am I going to have a lumpy weird head? You know. Yeah. Are there yeah. birthmarks I never knew about? Like what's up there? I mean, you've fine. seen those. You've seen those guys who have shaved who have shaved heads, and their heads are perfectly round and beautiful. Yeah, yeah, that's not my head. I know mine would look like you know the surface of yeah, Mars. You'd be, you'd be a cone head. Yeah, yeah. Okay, this is good. I'm so proud of us. Okay, great. Are you done? I I think this has been pretty long, right? Like 15, 20 we're, minutes. We're at uh, I think like seven or seven or eight hours. 
<laughs> probably feels like it for everyone listening. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for hanging in, guys. We appreciate you, um, and we hope you appreciate us. All right. Well, for Tracy Pearson, that is his real name. I'm David Woods, Burn Report Online, UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and we will talk to you again next time. Stay safe, everyone.